0: It's Tracy, and welcome back to Truth, Lies, and Cover Ups. I am here with Super Producer Alex. How are you?
1: I'm good, and I'm a little okay. We're going to come into this Hmm. when we talk about Dr. Fraud.
0: Oh, he's not, it's not Dr. Pepper. It's not,
1: it's not. No, I know I wasn't going with Dr. Pepper or (laughs) Jaritos for that matter, but it works out because we're talking about a Mexican drug cartel and you know for the for the record here i'm sitting here drinking mexican soda and but so the the idea of dr fraud uh what what how do you pronounce his last name skiba
0: skiba michael skiba now here's the thing about michael um he cuz you know we're sitting here in boulder we're right down the street from cu good right old cu yeah and michael He's in New York but he is the I believe the chair of the financial crimes department at the at CSU Colorado State
1: University so it's oh, okay. almost
0: it's almost like a um infidelity sort of situation me the talking infide-
1: about. oh that's different
0: the infidel yes
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, I think that's something very different but so no but what I'm wrestling with is a whole idea about um see if I get this right busting school buses
0: mm-hmm so he's going to tell us so all about school busting basically yeah,
1: school busting. No. Yeah, that's what he's, he's gonna doing. He's going to tell
0: us all about cuz he worked in some insurance cuz he, his he focuses on financial fraud. He is a doctor like a legitimate PhD. Mm-hmm. And he looks like
1: Mr. Pepper. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: So he go um on. He he found out how uh, one of his insurance agents that was working with the company he was working with got a bunch of school buses and was running drugs with the Mexican cartel
1: in the school buses
0: in yeah in South Texas mm-hmm. okay right along the border yeah so
1: he's bus so but I was just looking at your title. Busting school buses, and yeah, I have to condense did. that in my brain to eliminate the unnecessary consonants and uh, and and. No,
0: there'll be no. Here. There'll be no elimination.
1: Oh, there's but, elimination already. It's now school busting.
0: Okay. Well, anyway, so but he he's going to tell us because what he does is he he works with the U.S. government, and he's going to tell us exactly what it's like to catch a fugitive because he did it.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. And this was in U.S. He was not down in. Mexico. He was in Europe with this one all right
0: it sounds like a movie the way he's the way he said it but he's he talked he takes us through exa- like exactly what it's like well this is a it...
1: little born identity if you, but if you
0: it really is a little bit i don't let him skip over any of the details
1: huh well let's get right to it what do you say
0: i say let's do it let's talk
1: to I dr. Mean, unless fraud. you need to run your mouth some more because i know how you need to run your mouth sometimes that's you i'm talking to dr fraud bye now i see you right now with your body language you've got your finger on your bottom lip and I, th- I know what that means is that you're trying to hold in what you're trying to say. I'm
0: trying. What I'm trying to say is it's time for you to be quiet.
1: There, you just put your finger right back on your lip again. Isn't that body language? Isn't that what it means? You're trying to hold something back.
0: You had to stop.
1: you've been telling me that for a decade and it hasn't worked yet i don't know why you're continuing with it what does it mean in body language parlance when your finger is over your lips but you're talking
0: it means i'm holding back information the information is that you're being irritating
1: (laughs) no you're not holding that back you've been telling me that for a decade too what else you got
0: (laughs) that's it all
1: right let's go listen to school busting
0: all right bye It's Tracy, and I am back again with another interview that I know is going to be fascinating. I have Michael Skiba with me. Now, he is known as Dr. Fraud. And so I was like, our our mutual friend, and he's been on the show, uh, former CIA guy, Peter Wormka connected us. And here's the thing. um, I almost, Michael, I did not, I almost did not have you on the show because you teach at CSU up the street, Colorado state university. I'm a buff. I don't even know if it's illegal for me to be talking to you, but uh, you, you seem, you seemed honest when you said you did not own any CSU paraphernalia hats, sweatshirts, and so I was like, "Well, maybe you're okay." So anyway, welcome yep. to the show. We,
2: we can get through the interview, Chase. We can be friends at least for an hour, right? So we can <laughs> we can just make it work, right? Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. So <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So, um, okay, here here's the biggest question. You 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 are you oversee the financial um, crimes department at CSU, but you do a lot with um, international crime, counterterrorism. We're going to talk all about that. But here, here's my biggest question. What is the craziest case you've worked on? Can you take us into the inner workings of that? Because you work with governments. You, I mean, you're like the dude. So let's get into that.
2: Yeah, thank you. You know, it's funny because, you know, working in the industry 30 years, you know, you you, you realize that you do have stories when you're asked... You know, sometimes you're, you're, you're thinking, wow, that happened back 10 years, 20, 30 years ago. And, you know, you wish at that point you kind of kept track of some of the cool details and things, you know, because yeah. there were just just so many, you know, a couple um, a couple just stand out. And I will say, firstly, it was the very first kind of um, introduction to fraud on a direct level I had Lo- like kind of a small scale, but really kind of what made who made me Dr. Fraud. Um, but then, of course, the large scale. So where it started, actually, was, was right out of school when I, I became an insurance investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a woman who had a uh, had a medical claim. And basically what happened is she had kind of, um, you know, led me down a path for almost a year and a half, you know, claiming she had a, a specific type of injury, you know, treatment, uh, would show up with the neck brace. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly enough, she became known around the office. That's when you could kind of have... Uh, people come in and out of the office frequently. Um, She came known as grandma. So she would, would, no joke, bring cookies in Uh to the managers. I mean, she was just a big hit when she'd come in. Well, long story short, we end up, um, I ended up recommending, you know, to, to, you know, take care of her case for her. Everything was legitimate. Um, Right after things were settled, I was going out to lunch one day with a colleague uh, and we're sitting at a stoplight and my friend's name was was Rob. So he and I are sitting there, we're just chatting about, you know, where we're going to eat, et cetera, et cetera. And we look ahead and he's like, he's like, wait, he goes, isn't that that grandma ahead of you? And she just had come from the office. She was sitting at a light and she had her neck brace on, Uh right? Um, She just came in the office, not to see me, but I did see her, see someone else. And I said, yeah, that's grandma, it's absolutely her. Well, you know, the light turns and what she does is she in one motion pretty much takes off the neck brace throws it in the back seat, uh-huh. reaches behind her, is grabbing for things. She had a dog with her. The dog's jumping, licking her face. She's like,
3: uh-huh.
2: you know, moving freely, which of course was one of the reasons why I had the case was a questionable restriction. Well, that burned me so badly because I had recommended she had lied to my face for, for over a year and a half. Um, I really believed in her. I believed in her honesty um, and and, you know, what she was about. Um, and really that it just it made me so mad that someone would just you know defraud the insurance company but just just me personally it was yeah, that yeah. was a personal thing at that point um so really tracy you know i mean it wasn't a big scale case but but grandma is out there somewhere and it's just that really started my 30-year kind of you know passion for for fighting fraud and kind of under trying to understand you know, why did grandma do that? Why didn't she do that to me? She seemingly was a nice person. She was a real grandma, you know, and it really bothered me, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, so that was, that was kind of the smaller scale, but what started, you know, my career, um, I would say that the biggest uh, kind of case that I was involved in was a, uh, it was a very interesting case and it kind of, it started, you um, Uh, in upstate New York, uh, and it it involved a agent, an insurance agent, Mm -hmm. who wrote all kinds of different policies, health, uh, you know, uh, medical, you name it. Mm -hmm. But what happened is we got a tip from uh, someone in Mexico that he was somehow involved in some, you know, suspicious activity uh, about, boy, about a year later after we had done surveillance and investigations on him, what we realized was he was writing He was writing these policies for school buses, Mm -hmm. right, Um, to take back and forth along the Texas border. So the school buses would be taking taking field trips and just doing uh, various things. But but they were allowed to go back and forth because they were so close to the border. Well, what he was doing, what he was doing was he was actually um, filling the buses with drugs. Oh, Um, so he was working for the cartel. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was this little agent who you'd never expect he sponsored little league teams etc uh little little did anyone know he was pretty much an international you know drug dealer uh he got into arms trading uh turns out he was connected with you know an eastern european mob oh um yeah it was it got dangerous for me personally very quickly uh-huh. so i had to engage with you know the appropriate law enforcement authorities um we had this is about a two and a half year investigation and we end up it was a, it was a good result actually because what what happened was he was getting so much pressure um um you know threats I should say from the cartel and from the the mob that uh they offered the law enforcement offered protection to him because he pretty much his his shelf life was very limited at that point so he knew he had to do something so he cooperated. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they gave him, you know, uh, protection, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was wild. Some of the things, uh, you know, I've been in Mexico a handful of times and over in Europe trying to just track money and policies. And it, it just turned out to be a, you know, astronomical, uh, and exciting, uh, you know, exciting case with a good result. A good
0: now, result. now, so you're, are you an accountant by trade or what's your, tell me about that.
2: No, actually, my my background. So I have a um, an MBA uh, with a concentration in finance. uh, And then my PhD uh, is in criminal public safety, criminal justice. But you know, my dissertation is white collar crime. So no, not a CPA. Um, You know, my background really has to do with kind of a holistic approach Mm -hmm. to investigations, not necessarily the accounting financial statement fraud. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of like the Following the money, but also following the person, trying to figure out the psychological element of it, um, mm-hmm. you know, as well.
0: Wow. Okay. So tell me about some of the counterterrorism stuff you've done.
2: So that's, you know, it's very interesting because um, I, I do do a lot of international travel. Um, so what that does is that also brings opportunity uh, during those times where I am you know, in certain areas, doing certain activities to Mm -hmm. also be doing other activities. Um, So, you know, having a legitimate purpose, but also having kind of a latent reason for connecting with certain people or or being in certain Mm -hmm. areas. So what that has done, I I actually spent some time in uh, a Western region of Germany um, for, you know, on and off for for almost um, five years, Mm -hmm. uh, where I would do, you know, a couple weeks there and then a couple weeks home and back and forth. Well, this was during... This is about going six, seven years ago. And that's, if you remember, when there was just tons of, of terrorist threats. That's when, you know, the, the bombings in the airports, driving into crowds, uh, That was, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the Paris shootings, all these things were happening. Well, I, I happened to be in in a lot of these areas, unfortunately, at the time. And one area I was in, this is right after the Brussels bombing. Um, I was in the area and it ended up I was actually in the hometown of several of the they had an international task force, a counterism task force. I was trying to track down two of the key members. And it, it turned out they were actually in this little town in Germany where I happened to be. So um, I had some I had known some people that work for uh, Department of Defense and, and things like this. So they had reached out to me. Uh and and I had helped, you know, a lot of it's still kind of, you know, I, I think there's still some cooperation going. So some mm-hmm. details are still um, you know, kind of in the vault. But but basically that involved me kind of assisting uh with with the apprehension of two of the key individuals, which was um quite exciting um uh, because it was a again, if you could imagine this very small German fairy tale town all of mm-hmm. a sudden overrun by, you know, an international counter-terrorist uh uh group, you know, and apprehending these two individuals. It was uh it's quite exciting to be a part of that. Um
0: so know, let, in- let me ask you a couple questions. So okay, so so uh you don't have uh okay, so so you're not an accountant, right? But you're but you know how to follow the money, right? Right. So yeah. when the government calls you and says, We need your help, what exactly do you do? Do they give you a a bulletproof vest and a Like what what happens? How does that so, go?
2: So basically what what a lot of it has to do with is just um, my network as well. Okay. So I, I have, because I wear so many different hats, you know, in academics and consulting and training. Um, so I kind of can reach out to a, it's not just like I'm focused on one industry where I have one line of contacts. I have, like, I call it like five different pipelines of contacts where I can go to like certain levels, certain industries. Um, so I think that really, uh, that really helps. So I I, I would always say that's kind of my armament is my network because I can use that on the offensive, uh, but also if things if I'm things get kind of questionable, I can also use that as a defensive and and automatically call the right people and retreat and get what I need to. So um, so yeah, no, I haven't, you know, uh from a tactical perspective, um, you know, I'm pure observer from from that sense, but um it's more um, you know, the the positioning, if you will, and knowing who's where and kind of how to get certain places um without the big crowd the big entourage um you know kind of just operating um you know kind of low you know you know this low impact basically
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so then so then what what exactly do? because because you're talking in generalizations which is fine and i think i know why you're doing that and we all appreciate that how specific can you get about exactly what you did in germany
2: So that that case, because it's still it still has connections to things going on in in some of the Eastern European regions. But but basically what we know is it was, um, you know, we know that the the, the bombing had a um, had a certain motive behind it, a certain uh, political motive. Um, So so basically what happened in that situation was um, I happened to be in that town. We knew the individual was in a certain location um, and I knew kind of roughly what area the person was in. Um, so what I did was for over about a week, uh, a week at at night, uh, there's, there was pretty much a concentrated area where uh, there were, you know, restaurants and bars. So there weren't too many places people could go um, mm-hmm. to to just eat and socialize. So I knew I had a feeling that, that that those two individuals were somehow going to show up in that area. So for about a week, what I did was like at night after I finished my, my day job,
3: uh-huh.
2: um, I kind of, you know circulated around a little bit i a lot of times i went jogging in the areas and just kind of just looking for for certain uh you know things that maybe wouldn't fit in um and 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 i actually uh the one night that uh they had been um apprehended it was it was actually kind of funny because i was i was in uh in a restaurant that i frequent um and and as luck would have it what happened is one of them accidentally left their cell phone behind oh no yeah. So what happened is I was actually seated uh, inside mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they had already left. So I had missed them. I don't know where they were going. But the one the one uh, individual came back in. He was sitting outside, but he came back inside asking uh, the, the owners and, the, and the, the bartender if they had seen his cell phone. And I looked over and it was I, you know, it was just very uncanny. I checked with some pictures and that was the individual. That was the subject. Uh, so immediately, you know, contacted who I needed to. And I think by the time, you know, he he, I think he exited and maybe was maybe 10 yards. I mean, there, were, or maybe not 10 yards, but I mean, maybe, you know, a minute or two later, mm-hmm. he was apprehended. So it was just out of pure luck that he had left his cell phone because I had missed him totally. So and I don't know mm-hmm. if that was his last day there or not. Um, so it was, you know, again, directly involved in the in the uh, apprehension, uh, apprehension of that that uh, that individual.
0: Wow. So yeah. So you're doing a little spy work now. Now, um, tell me, tell me this. And I've always wondered this. Like, cause, cause you work for the government. Like sometimes, right? So,
3: yeah.
0: how do they pay good? I mean, you're putting yourself in harm's way. Like, how does that really work?
2: So you know, Tracy, it's is you know, doing public and and private sector work. I always, um, you know, when you're doing training for companies, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're training for you oh, you know, we love the cause, you, you know, this is why you do, you're passionate about sure. what you do. We love educating on fraud and it's a very, very rewarding uh, career. Um, and for, so for government, honestly, I don't, there are times where I just don't even get paid if it's, if it's a worthy cause.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, and sometimes on the opposite of that, I mean, if it's under a, some sort of contract, um, you know, which is supported by, you know, some other agency or group, then, then, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be a, uh, very worthwhile project. But I don't whenever I do anything on the on the, you know, I call it the public sector. End, mm-hmm. um, I really look at it as kind of my give back because um, it's just it's just so rewarding. You know, when you go into, um, you know, areas like I, I, I do work, I'm a, a staff consultant for the for the UN. Um, so just had spent some time in Thailand. And I mean, it was fantastic for two weeks spending time with their, uh, you know, uh, royal police and some of their executives um uh you know at, at certain levels just really educating them on things that we see in the united states and in mm-hmm. some of the developed countries so it's it's very meaningful when you leave and and you know a week later they they actually one of them called back and said wow you know those things you're t- telling us about romance scams that actually that that really keyed in and we actually helped apprehend a person and try to figure out some prevention i mean that that that's priceless. You know that. That's it's yeah. So that, that is worth whatever check they could give me. So it's um, in my opinion, it's a lot of, at this stage in in my career, um, it's it's very rewarding to, to give back at that, at that level.
0: Mm-hmm. So then back to Germany, when, when you were doing your jogs and uh, looking around for stuff that didn't belong, like wh- what were you looking for? Like, did you know what you might be looking for? Like, how does all that come together?
2: You know, and I think it's a lot of, um, you know, again, you you know this too, and some of your guests have mentioned this, um, you know, it's the situational awareness. They're just Mm -hmm. kind of knowing what fits and what doesn't. And it's when you spend enough time in an area, uh, you kind of know that, you know, and again, as a traveler like you are, you have to know the opposite of that when you're going to a new area, kind of know how to fit in a little bit, even dress wise, mannerisms, things Mm -hmm. you want to say, not say, um, know enough of the language just to get by with basics, coffee and you know, where to get gas and things. Um, So not really making yourself visible. So it was just, it was things like that. I mean, even, even, um, you know, in a lot of areas of Europe, um, you know, the high travel areas, you know, you might see someone that whose sneakers, you know, don't really kind of belong, but, but in that area there, it was, it's a very um, like a more of a native area. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unless you have kind of a reason for being there, um, you know, you usually people don't just stop and there's no like Airbnbs, if you will. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, Um, you know, just look for, for things that just kind of don't, you know, don't really fit. So it's kind of, it's more like, like I said, just situation, just kind of looking, I don't know, just something just doesn't seem to work, you know, Mm -hmm, (laughs) I guess that comes with a lot of travel and, you know, kind of, uh, uh, yeah. Traveling and kind of understanding the opposite end of that, Mm -hmm, you know? (laughs) mm -hmm.
0: Now, what's the most dangerous situation you've been in?
2: Um, I would say two come to mind. Um, one was when, Um, I was doing some work in uh, uh, Latin America and Mexico and uh, I'd been down there for a while, about two weeks, and I was helping, uh, this was a a private uh, uh, contract, so it was a company and I was helping them try to filter out some of the um, gaps that they were seeing in their uh, finances. You know, they were kind of losing some money. We didn't really know how, whether it was like an external threat, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of fraud coming from the outside. We didn't know whether it was internal. We just had no clue. So they hired me to come in and kind of figure out what was going on. Um so I had about four or five contacts there that I would, you know, some managers and some people, um, but they kind of knew I was there most of them. Well, one of the days, two things happened. One day I came in after after I was there two weeks uh, and I came in, uh, and on a desk where I usually sat, there was a, a little a little box. And uh I didn't kind of know that was like maybe size of like I I don't know, small cigar box or mm-hmm. something. Um mm-hmm. didn't know what it was. That thought it was maybe a gift from someone, not sure. Uh, I opened the box and inside was a dead bird. Uh-oh. So um, you know, kind of like the old godfather, you know, like the sign, like, okay, you know, kind of we know you're here. Intimidation factor. Um, well, that was the first sign of of kind of um some unsettledness going on in the mm-hmm. company. Um, the second was so that was like my awareness was up at that point. Well, the the second came about two weeks later, which is you know, when I kept on in my investigation i realized it was an internal threat and i just didn't know at that point who it was because uh, mm-hmm. they were stealing a lot of money like how much um i think it was close to, i mean they had two different accounts set up i mean i think it was about two, anywhere from like 15 20, a month that they were okay out like through uh, and I don't, I don't know how long it went on for so i mean i tracked it for a year but i i would foresee it was probably going on you know fi- uh, could be five upwards of five years before that because mm-hmm. this was a trusted manager in the company um so there was one time where uh, and i didn't know again my radar was up at that point that it was internal had no idea he was actually one of my five contact points oh even more interesting um so i kind of wasn't really suspecting him um but what happened is there was one uh, one afternoon where um, we, uh, we, you know, we're just going to go grab a coffee, kind of chat things over. Well, he asked me to grab a coffee. I said, sure. Um, so I was kind of waiting by where his office was. And he said, oh, hang on, let me get, let me get security real quick. Um, I have to get the keys, uh, to the, um, the balcony. And I said, oh, that's interesting. So, so the balcony was locked. So I said, okay, so the security guy comes up, opens it up. He says, okay, I'll be back in 20 minutes. So we go out on the balcony, door shuts behind. I said, geez, I said, interest. So we're sitting down overlooking Mexico city. And I said, um, um you know i said hey you know just out of curiosity why why do they lock lock the balconies and he said well he's they lock the balconies so if we need to intimidate someone what we do is we grab them by the legs and hang them over the the balcony and then he just stops talking and he's like looking at me oh and i was kind of like you know it took me a second i'm like kind of like having my coffee and then he's just staring me down like eye to eye not saying anything else and then his demeanor body language totally changed at that point Mm -hmm. um and I just kind of knew that something was awry. And then I replayed what he had just said, you know, in my mind. And we were on like the 20-something floor. It would not mm-hmm. have ended very well for me. So um, at that point, you know, I kind of knew. And unfortunately, I made, I did make a mistake. And uh, I didn't really suspect him. But the way he was even positioned, I didn't have any exit point at that point either. Yeah. Which was on my point. Uh-huh. I mean, he was next to the door. I had, There was no windows or anything um so you know he, he kind of just stayed silent for a while kind of like looking at me like I didn't say anymore he's like looking for a nod and I you know I knew at that point I just need to get out of this situation you know so I kind of like I gave him a nod I said you know message received um and I said I'll uh, I'll have my stuff you know ready ready in the morning and uh I'll head home and he said perfect great having you here and then opened the door uh got out and um I did I did depart. But um, I still had a colleague down there who was one of the other four. Um, and and I had once I had been out of country and where I needed to be, um, I contacted him, you know, about a week, let a week, you know, two weeks mm-hmm. go by. And then I contacted him and he actually assisted uh, with, you know, a whole investigation with his quote unquote friend um, who was involved in the, um, you know, the internal uh, internal fraud. So.
0: So then did he so so you kind of took care of yourself and got out of there. Did that guy ever get found out or arrested or anything or how does that go?
2: Yeah. 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 Actually, they did get you know, they didn't get the result. I didn't get the result that that I wanted. Um, and what I what I foresee happening, I mean, I mean, he did get they had to make a. um Uh, You know, because it did become known more throughout the it became known throughout the company. My one friend had let the proper people know. Mm -hmm. So they did have to take some recourse against him, but it did not get uh, it didn't go. I mean, it did go to law enforcement. But um, as as many that have operated in that area realize, um, you know, sometimes there's certain connections you don't know about. So it really didn't get prosecuted. Um, The part I mean, he was let go. Um, I think he had some sort of. Probation period on his, his, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of not on his resume, but where it prevented him from maybe getting a similar type of occupation for a mm-hmm. while. so we went on a couple like lists, you know, kind of like bad boy lists, <laughs> if you will, right? Um, but other than that, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really the prosecution that I had, um, that I had, or the, the follow up really that I had, uh, hoped out of it.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, now, what, uh, of of those cases that you do like what what percent of your um like h- how do you divide out your time cuz you teach yep. and I know you speak cuz we both speak to the uh ACFE groups sometimes uh and that's uh association of S- uh certified fraud examiners Yep. um h- how do you split out your time
2: you know what it's really um i, I mean most of my time is spent on the academic side you mm-hmm. know in building the programs and um, you know, just, you know, faculty as, as department chair, you know, managing the faculty and the curriculum, the students and keeping an eye on the the, mm-hmm. what's going on in the world. But what happens is it fits very synergistically with what I do do, um, uh, you know, when I'm out and about, because I can literally take the real time stuff going on and insert that back into the courses, the faculty, the program. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like almost as, as I can, let's uh, you know, like if, if a big project, like I know the UN, uh, has a really big project this year coming up and i know i'll be kind of offline for for at least a couple of weeks so i just kind of pad that into my academic schedule but there's times where you know things are very very busy academically um and i just you know again i don't have time to do these these extra things so it's really it's hard to actually i know it sounds like i'm kind of skirting the the question but it's really yeah. depends on i'm uh, um, kind of uh, almost on a you know day-to-day week-to-week basis i have to decide sometimes i do have to unfortunately decline Mm-hmm. uh certain speaking events or maybe or maybe you know instead of in person maybe explore a zoom or, mm-hmm, or a virtual mm-hmm. presentation so there you know as you know the world is mobile now so um there are those options more than they were you know five years ago oh
0: totally yeah i
2: have to be there you know this i mean mm-hmm. there's no option it was like okay you're here you're not so i think a lot a lot of companies they, they would rather have um you know or speaking events you know they rather have you on zoom than than not have you at all so i think companies are, are kind of receptive um you know and especially international you know i was i was i've done uh, this training session every year for the last five years um mm-hmm. usually in person uh except for COVID years but that's in in malaysia kuala you know kuala Lumpur and areas there well you know we just decided it makes you know instead of me traveling a whole week for one day and the expense of that i mean I'm on Zoom for, you know, 4 hours. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. 4 mm-hmm. hours and I'm done, you know, and and it saves them costs too. So I think we all realize that you do lose the live. I love live, you know, I yeah. know you do too, but
0: Yeah. Um,
2: it's a, it's a kind of a, a trade-off if you will.
0: Absolutely. So then um what's the biggest case you've worked on? Like uh it could be it could be like dollars or maybe there's another reason that was really big.
2: I would say some of the cases I worked, um, uh, maybe, maybe going back about a decade ago, which involved, uh, it was some New York based, Mm -hmm. um, and I was, uh, overseeing a lot of the investigations, um, in New York city. And these Mm -hmm. these had to do with medical provider fraud. Um, so these are cases where, um, you would have, you know, unscrupulous doctors, um, just, just. You know, really taking advantage of, of, you know, workers comp carriers, insurance carriers, health carriers. And what they would do is they would, you know, it's kind of really like billing schemes. They would, they would overbill. They would bill for charges that, that just, just, you know, or or bill for treatment that just Mm -hmm. never happened. They would, they would do certain coding kind of manipulations and, and really just try to inflate the bill times two or three. Mm Uh, knowing that a lot of insurance companies just don't have the technology and people to to, to sit there and go through, you know, you get a 20 page inpatient bill to yes. go through every single line, mm-hmm. you know, um, now, now they're, you know, they've been able to use a lot of automation, a lot of fraud detection platforms mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I mean, it was, so some of the cases I had, I mean, there was one, I, I forgot the final result, but that was prosecuted. And that was, that was up in the, in the millions. I mean, that was, I think close to six, 7 million total that one doctor had kind of masterminded because he had these, you know, kind of questionable clinics hmm. set up and mm-hmm. uh, just, just you know, volume, he was all about volume. So wow. I think so, that was the biggest one I would say. So
0: what's the first thing you do in a case like that?
2: Yeah, and that's, you know, I have to tell you, those investigations are, and that's, and then, and, you know, the fraudsters and his doctor knew that. They're so time intensive and mm-hmm. so involved. Because what you have to do is is like let's let let's say there's there's overbilling. First of all, you have to find just figure out that it could be overbilling in the first place, which
3: mm-hmm.
2: is difficult. But then what you have to do is you have to you have to confirm, like like let's say, let's say you go in for an office visit, right? You mm-hmm. have a stuffy nose, right? So you go and right. see the doctor, mm-hmm. they charge you a consultation fee of a hundred dollars, right? right? But this doctor, who's who's a questionable doctor, he bills your insurance company a thousand, saying that you went for a full comprehensive visit for for uh, you know uh, sniffly nose, uh, you know stuffy nose, but also he checked your your allergies, he did an ear test to make sure you weren't you know uh, uh, blocked up, he checked your pulse. I mean, all of these tests that he would order. Well, you had you would have to verify that. Well, how do you verify? Well, you'd have to actually sit down with the patient, yeah, and look at the bill with them and say, okay. Tracy, did you, he checked your nose, but did he check your ears? Well, he kind of did. Well, did he do this? Like, it's it's so yeah. difficult
3: uh-huh.
2: to, to, as an as an investigator. So what you'd have to do is you'd have to just, what, what we would do is a lot of times we would kind of get them with um, like licensing and corporation issues. So that's kind of what my expertise was, as I mentioned, like in business. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of like, that was a heavy, heavy lift, but what we could do a lot of times is check and see how they were incorporated and like who is actually doing the service. Oh. So like, well, licensing wise, right? They can mm-hmm. he ha- he would have to be doing all these procedures. Well, if you piece it together and you see that he has 10 bills for one day at five different facilities and oh. you realize it's impossible to get from Lower Manhattan to, you know, um exit 50 in Long, you know Melville, let's say in Long right. Island, um you can kind of piece this together so that's what what's i what i kind of fell back on is the non treatment that was more the indicator but then getting him on some corporate issues and and you know maybe not not so much taxes we would every now and then but but a lot of times what you do is you have you could get federal charges included in that because if you were going across state lines so a lot of times there would be they'd have post offices in connecticut and and facility in new york um so you could kind of you know, work that in a little bit because they would always have, you know, offices, you know, mm-hmm. in many different, uh, many different areas. So it was more the business investigation. We we got more teeth uh using that than we did just because it's just so nebulous. Have You know, I mean, imagine asking a, a patient to testify with something only a medical doctor would kind of know, you know, mm-hmm. how long the treatment was, what exactly did they do? It's just, it's um very hard to prove, very mm-hmm. hard to prove.
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. So, um, I have so many questions and they're all rattling around. What, yeah, what are the, what are the trends that you're seeing out there? Like has fraud changed in the last two, three years? What's going on?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. We could spend, <laughs> you and I could chat for hours on that. So I know it's, 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 it's just, you know, rape with fraud. Actually, I know one of your other podcasts, you, you were talking about sports fraud, which I thought was yeah. great. Um, And, and so, right. There's these little known frauds that happen, but I would say, you know, the DNA for fraud is is still there, you know, mm-hmm. um, dating back. I mean, oh, God, early B.C. And even even, you know, I always tell the story, you know, I'm, again, I'm a New Yorker. So, you know, 1883, George Parker, you know, would you like to buy the Brooklyn Bridge? I mean, the famous yeah. the famous saying. So he this is a public bridge and he sold and bought or he sold the Brooklyn Bridge hundreds of times for fifty thousand dollars. And mm-hmm. the only reason how they knew he did that was because when he would sell it. The, one of his sell points was that the owner could put up tolls and, and have a revenue stream. So what would happen is all of a sudden there'd be this massive backup on the Brooklyn Bridge. The cops would be alerted. They would see somebody collecting a tolls and ask the person, well, what you know, what, what are you doing? And, and they would say, "Oh well, no, this bridge is mine. I'm collecting tolls. Well, it's not yours. It's, it's the city's. And, they, and mm-hmm. then, then, you know, oh, George Parker sold it to me. So the, the, if you look at, and I'm fascinated by that case of how he was able to do that so many mm-hmm. times, uh, but if you look at the, D, I call it the fraud DNA of, mm-hmm. of what George Parker did, it is literally the same as what the scammers do today with identity theft, travel fraud, um, you know, um, penetrating your devices, cybercrime. It's all those same, you know, psychological tactics, number one, and then the tech ta- technology tactics, too. So it's always like a double pronged mm-hmm. approach, but a lot of it comes down to um, you know, psychology. And I think, so So it's just basically taking that template and just inserting it. And it's seasonal. Um, you know, when we do, you know, and I know you do media um, interviews as well. Yeah. It's more like, okay, I, I say almost the same thing every year on the holidays. It's always charity fraud, shipping scams, mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, uh, it's e-cards and flower shipping, um, back to school. It's, it's, you know, student loan scams and scholarship scams. So it's literally the same thing. It's just, you know, trying to, grab a vulnerable you know party someone that has a little emotion involved and then it's like fishing and then boom they grab you know it's it's in and and then you're done
0: so i got bamboozled this weekend by a friend uh, and um a couple friends of mine and uh in one of they they worked together they conspired if we want to talk about that to um Uh, give me a present, which me and my friend, we passed back and forth this really silly little um, koozie kind of thing. (laughs) And um, the other friend got uh, roped into giving me this present and said it was from her, but it was actually from my other friend trying to sneak this koozie back into my life. And um, so I, I, I feel like I got bamboozled really good. Now the person that she uh, hired to give me the present what, and say it was from from uh this friend of mine uh was a she's a professional actor right and so nice. uh so she did really good but she i got completely bamboozled um <laughs> by that when i opened it up uh later because she's like take this home open it up yeah. later and inside was the koozie and a little uh card that said gotcha ah, <laughs> and, i
3: love it oh that's great fun, that's
0: this great. big story right and totally fooled me uh, but there was a gift there. Like I had no yeah. reason to think right. anything was, was fishy. Right. So do you have any situations like that besides grandma? Yeah. Like, like would anything happen where you're just like, I can't believe they got me.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I will tell you this, that they um ever so with with the, the doctor fraud brand. So. Um, When I had that trademark, this was, this was about four four or five years ago, right after I got my, my PhD, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, you know, and I had trademark attorneys. I mean, that was a whole year just getting that approved and and everything. Um, I would say probably within about three days after it was approved, you know, they have to, they post it to the government trade association or something like this. Um, So within about two days, I go to my post office and, and the, 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 I, I have like a little box in the the, the gentleman at the post office, he, he actually called me, he said, wow, he goes, your, your mailbox is just like overflowing. And I'm thinking, whoa, Dr. Fraud is here. I got all these, you know, uh, you know, speaking I don't know, like I'm arrived, you know, whatever. So I'm going over to the post office and I get there. No joke, Tracy. I probably had 20 to 30 letters claiming that my trademark was compromised, that I needed to pay an additional amount. That um there was already a doctor fraud. I mean, every scenario you could imagine, all asking for me to basically engage in some sort of you know money, like, okay, mm-hmm. need one last thing to approve this internationally, just you know, send money, you know, uh-huh.
3: send two thousand.
2: So I would I I still look at these, I get them all the time, and it makes me really think twice uh, because they do a really, really good job. And I will tell you uh, just so. So that was kind of a, a bigger picture, like kind of like all right, you know, anyone's a target. But uh, it's happened about uh, I would say four months ago. So so having uh, you know like yourself having a, a business, you know, you 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 have to file a lot of things mm-hmm. with the state. There's all kinds of little work, yeah. workings there. Well, we're required to file. I think it's like an IT two hundred one or something for for the business name in New York. You're, you're required to pay a fee of like five dollars every year or something. Yeah, like
0: it's 10 Colorado. here in Colorado. Yeah. The same
2: thing. Okay. Yeah. It's like a filing fee. It's, it's nominal, but it's just, mm-hmm. so um, I get this, no, I'm on the phone um, and I'm, I'm doing, you know, trying to triple task and and um, I get this letter. I opened it up and it's I- IT 201, New York state tax and finance. So I'm, I'm writing the thing out, $105, you know, blah, 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 seal it, put it over here. I'm going to send it out and thing. Well, I happen to be uh, later in the day, I was looking at my check account and I, I was, Doing putting something else in there, and I'm looking, and it was like I look back for some reason. I had to look for something a year ago, and I see the five dollar fee.
3: Oh, that I last
2: year. and I'm like, I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait. And I was doing so many other things, I kind of forgot that uh-huh. when I. Paid. I'm like, wait, and I forgot to put in the ledger. So I'm like, oh, I open up the letter. And and, and thinking I think I need to reseal it, no problem. And I had written out the check for 105. And I'm thinking, wow, that is not possible. So I call mm-hmm. my accountant. And he's like, no, it's five, five dollars. Like, what where did you what did you reply to? And I looked and they did such a phenomenal job on this letter. I actually had an old one. I almost could not tell the difference. The only, the only difference in the letters between a legit and an illegit one was the legit one went to the state of New York you know division mm-hmm. of License and services. The one that I sent it to was like CPS check services or something.
3: Oh. And it
2: was not in Albany, which is where the, the, the capital, where the center is. It was, I don't know, maybe Poughkeepsie. Uh-huh. That's the only way. And as soon as I Goog- you know, I did the, the classic number one thing to do, Google it in uh-huh. parentheses with scams or fraud, hundreds of Goog- Google scams is a scam. Don't send money. They're not going to pay it. So I, I I came this close. If I hadn't, like, needed to go back in the checkbook, it would have been gone. And then I probably would have been default in my name because I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't pay on time anyway. So, um, yeah, that was – you just really have to sometimes stop and, and just just take a breath and think for a minute, you know? it's Well,
0: it's I think so, fine. and that's also a really good tip for me because I just applied for uh, – uh, co- uh is it copyright or trademark trademark yeah. on a uh, liar liar pants on fire okay so okay. um I, and i got an entertainment lawyer my entertainment lawyer yeah. working on it and but that's good to know that there's stuff coming
2: <laughs> and i tell you it looks really really good because what they do is they make up these names you know international trade commission uh and, and it's got this nice emblem mm-hmm. and i mean it's they really uh, they put some effort into it and they make it personal a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's like, they'll know the doctor fraud and they'll have things that just doesn't look like they, you know, generically uh, put your name, Tracy Brown, mm-hmm. in there. I mean, it's kind of like it makes you look, you know, look twice. So I always go right back to my attorney and I'll, I'll either screenshot it or send it to him. And from now on, I just say I'm going to send you everything. Um, and you just, if I need to do something, you let me know. And that's really mm-hmm. the best, I mean, for you and for anyone else getting a trademark or anything, that's the best advice because you will get inundated, <laughs> you know, very quickly thereafter.
0: So. Wow. Yeah. That's a good little tip there. So, um, what do companies need to, need to look for? Like, so they don't have to bring you in. So, you know, what I, what
2: I always say is, is kind of utilize a, a couple things the, the I always go back to the two prongs I talk about, mm-hmm. right. And that's the human element. And the technology element. So the human element. What you want to do is you want to create uh, a sense of of um, kind of awareness mm-hmm. that the company kind of, not not that you're policing your people, but you want them to know that you know fraud affects the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Period it affects everybody. So if if someone's defrauding, you know it might not deter that person, but if someone overhears another employee is, you know, instead of just kind of letting it go, mm-hmm. you know, to to make sure that that they do their job in reporting, and, and almost all companies I know have have hotlines, you know, where you can report it anonymously, uh, uh, you know, email, whatever, whatever, you know, format. So I would say make it known. So a company really should have, you know, a strong sense of or, or a strong code of conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should abide by it. If something does happen, they need to really make sure they address it to set send an example mm-hmm. uh, to others, so that the, the company really believes in it. But also, too, um, the fall back on technology, um, you know, to kind of look at, you know, and one of the things we look for is like anomalies, we call it, anomalies in data. So, you know, if you have someone that's making more payments for some reason than everyone else, if you have someone that makes payments after hours, if you have someone
0: oh, okay.
2: proving more things than usual or, um, you know, from a sales perspective, someone that has triple sales than everyone else. um I mean, it could be a sign, or it could be vendor fraud, there could be collusion. So it's kind of, you know, you have to look at, in my opinion, a company uh, or even a person, you know, kind of rely on the technology, uh, you know, kind of as a safety net, but mm-hmm. also the human element, do training and make sure people are aware that, you, you know, that a company does take it serious. And it will affect them, their bottom line, their 401ks, their profitability, their promotions. I mean... Um, it is a line item, you know, whenever it's a line item with a company, um, you know, uh, they should really do their diligence and make sure they're, they're, you know, plugging all areas before they become an issue, you know?
0: Well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because a lot of times it's too late. And the problem is that Sometimes you, and you, you said something about it. A lot of times you just don't know how deep the problem is. And it costs a lot of money to find out how much money you lost. So they just give up.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. And it's too late at that point. There's no evidence or, I mean, for whatever reason, exactly. So it uh, it's hard. It's hard to kind of play catch up. You can, but you know, the best case scenario is knowing, you know, firstly, just deterring it in the first place, mm-hmm. um, you know, but then secondly, you know, kind of catching it as early as you can so you can take whatever action you decide to, you know, at that point. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So then uh uh what in your estimation is the area of the world that has the biggest amount of fraud?
2: Oh boy. You know, I would say back um oh, boy even 4 years ago, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, in a lot of the underdeveloped countries, pretty much anywhere. So it wouldn't be necessarily one region, but like, you know, there's areas in, um, uh, you know, Asia Pacific that I work that are really untouched. You know, they're beautiful areas, but, but you know, Philippines, Vietnam, I mean, they're trying so hard, but they just don't have the resources. Um, so any of the underdeveloped, some of the Pacific Islands, um, mm-hmm. the Balkans, I mean, areas like that, or even, you know, even in Latin America, there's areas there. But, but the problem now, Tracy, is that it's not, there's no international boundaries anymore, right? Because everything with, I mean, crypto, oh yeah. my word. I mean, we could talk for hours on crypto. And I mean, it's just, I get asked that question in every region I go is what's going on with crypto or, hey, I have these accounts or blockchain ledgers and the great ape. And all. I mean, it's such this nebulous world that that it just takes advantage of people everywhere. So I think that it's less now. I think geography and more of of the the medium that it, it occurs in. And again, crypto I think is a perfect example because as as we both know, unrelated lack of jurisdiction for investigation. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so many areas that it just is screaming for. Hey, fraud! That's you know, <laughs> let's let's you know. Uh, let's create a fake crypto and then you know get investors and pull the rug out. I mean, there's just so many areas where this could be a problem, um, and they do. They focused on they focus a lot on that you know the underdeveloped areas, but but there's areas in the United States here where crypto is a, a massive problem. Oh, crypto
0: know? is ridiculous to start with because I, oh. I, I, in, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, it seems like it's it was invented for. Hackers and terrorists, and that is what, and then all of a sudden, someone thought, Oh, wait, no, this is legit. No, yep. it's not, it's not legit, it because it just has that undercurrent to it. And yep. but here's the deal the dollar also is not backed by gold anymore, so how is that any better, right? right. Um, right. but yep. so, what do you think about Sam Bankman Fried?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole <laughs>
0: he, he's the FTX guy now, he's the FTX, guy. yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that whole, it's, it's, again, it's a, it's a perfect example. If you look at like the psychological profile, that's usually where I start. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just because it's such an area where, unfortunately, you know, people see some of these, you know, gazillionaires, you know, your, your Facebooks, your Mm -hmm. Googles, your Red Bulls. I mean, and, and in in a weird way, they just, you know, people want to, you know, they want they want that. They want to be the gazillionaire. They can go out and buy 20 planes and things like that. So they get drawn into, you know, these crypto, which is really kind of like people think, you know, I've, I've heard of it as referred to, well, it, it it could be the new oil, you know, and you don't want to miss out on that oil. You don't want to be like the,
1: mm-hmm. you know, the
2: one where in 20 years, you're the only one that didn't invest and all your friends and family are, you know, living yeah, the life yeah. and you're- so it's very, very psychological. Um, so, and, and you see that in his case where, I um, there are certain, you know, elements of, of similarity between him and, and some other large scale fraudsters where it's just, you know, you have a high element of greed. Um, you have just, um, uh, you know, I mean, the profile, it's like Elizabeth Holmes, um, you know, the mm-hmm. same thing. You look at her background, it's just so competitive when she was even younger. Um, and she just, she took kind of uh you know, but she took, she took it challenging to dupe so many people out of so many billions of dollars. I mean, it was kind of like an ego thing with her, you know? It
0: well, was- let, let's talk about her really quick. Um, Cause I'm pretty fascinated by that whole case because yeah. I was very, very for her. Cause I had to get my blood drawn more than I want to get my blood drawn. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was like, man, one drop I'm in count me in. Yeah. I am so in. Um, however, the, uh, Okay, in Silicon Valley, because you've probably dealt out there, there's a fine line between fraud and uh, um, success. Right, like, right, like, right, like, because, like innovation, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so much of it is smoke and mirrors about here's what we're doing yep. and this is... So where where did the line get crossed there? Was it when they put the other company's boxes into their box and mm-hmm. sent it out? Or was it before right. that? Like, because w- that's what happens, like no one means to do fraud, mm-hmm. but then they they get stuck. Right. Yep. And, and they get their back against the wall. So what where where was she on that? Where do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because what I think is that um a lot of it has to do with is kind of like you mentioned, it's it's what I call the, the creep, creep mm-hmm. factor, right? Yep. So it's mm-hmm. it starts as as just, you know, and, and and if you translate it into internal fraud, when we look at the statistics, most internal most of the biggest internal frauds that happen, they start very small with expense account padding. That
1: mm-hmm. somebody
2: puts a Starbucks on when they shouldn't. And they got away with it. Well, yeah. the next time they, they have a lunch, next time they take their spouse out to dinner with a good friend. I mean, it just literally, it's creep where all of a sudden, just as you mentioned, two, three years in, they're like, wow, you know, I got just like, you know, the colleague in Mexico, you know, I'm on the take for 15, 20 mm-hmm. grand a month and things are going well. So I think a lot of it has to do, with, it's so hard to pinpoint
3: mm-hmm. that
2: exact moment. And I don't even know that she knows it. It was more just like this trajectory she yeah. ended up, on right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um where all of a sudden it was like oh boy you know she's you know two three years in and and like vesters and and it's like okay I, I it's like i can't turn back now all right i'm all mm-hmm. in and it just but but i don't know that that moment actually happens for them because they get so caught up in the emotion of it and the the thrill or whatever it might yeah. be so so yeah i mean And I'd be interested in your thoughts too. It just seemed like it was always a little creep. It was a little more, a little more. um,
0: Well, I think it's that, but I think, I think she got away with um, her charisma. Oh, Uh, absolutely. Very, I think that was very much involved. And I, I read the book. I've done as much homework as I can do on her. Her family was very, very wealthy. Yeah. and then they lost it, and they were in um, butter. Yeah, like I think it, uh, the uh, I don't know which um, it was a brand we'd all know, right? But um, and I wonder if there was a little bit of that in there, like trying to get get back what. Yep. The, what the family had lost like like prior uh glory and and that kind of thing but then i think she also got stuck in the steve it, it was total ego like because she wanted to be steve jobs with the black turtlenecks and all that do right. you know how yep. much those turtlenecks cost i like, couldn't even imagine i couldn't well imagine. when me and you go to buy a turtleneck we go to Coles. that's what <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right?
0: yeah, those turtlenecks that, that she wore and that steve jobs wore six hundred dollars
2: yeah yeah
0: Right now, they're going to fit really good. They're going to look good in a picture, right. and and they do look different than the Coles, like um, turtlenecks. But man, she was going for it. She yeah. was in, and, and I I think there was an image thing wrapped up in there. I also think yeah. she's a bit of a psychopath because she, and, and like legitimately, and I don't mean to throw that term around, but yeah. in the way that she looked at, at you, like the, too much eye contact.
3: Right. Yeah. Um, Yep. Yeah.
0: It, yeah, so so I think I think there was a lot of that in there, but that that charisma yep. got brought her a long way, yes. And, and she could have done anything, I, I think she could have done anything, and she just happened right. to dislike getting her blood taken as much as I do, right? So, yeah. um, so that okay, but how is that different from Sam Bankman Fried? Let's talk about him because. Yeah, so um, I, cause I, I watched some video. I had a media outlet call me to watch some video of him. So I, so I watched the whole interview with, um, I think it was Bloomberg mm-hmm. before, uh, before he admitted to commingling funds.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
0: yeah. um, I think he's just a gambler. I think he, mm-hmm. he did not consider how bad it could get. Mm-hmm. and that's where i think he he landed on that so what do you think
2: yeah you know i think a lot of it too has to do with um i mean the 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 loopholes which unfortunately are
3: mm-hmm.
2: i mean they're readily publicized almost you know with with how um you know how to kind of circumvent you know uh, uh, certain you know uh, crypto flags if you will you mm-hmm. know from from you know trading and from you know, so and, and there's not much, you know, we, we mentioned this already, you know, so there, there, there's not many of those loopholes. But I think, you know, it starts there with with just the thought that, wow, this is kind of like, you know, say easy, but, you know, look at how often this this does happen. Um, and I think, you know, the second element of it is is kind of the, um, you know, we always see there's there's and we see this like when I interview even. Uh, non-fraudsters just just other types of criminals you always see there's there's a what i call a disconnect with um and you know like when you when you interview um a violent a violent criminal let's say that that committed an assault the one thing that they always have in common with one another the difference between you and i mm-hmm. uh is that of course they act on it but they don't have the ability uh the psychological ability to relate to their victim to actually exactly. feel what the victim would feel, right? So, so, you know, I could get cut off today in the street, uh, you know, in road rage, and I feel like wringing the person's neck. But I can feel like if I did that, oh, wow, you know, oh, if they had kids, a family, I, I, you just, you don't act on it. But what I find is that with a lot of these these criminals, it's so hard, because there is no, like, victim, they don't see it's crypto, it's this virtual world, where, right, Tracy, you could have invested $100,000, but I don't really know you. I don't, I can't. I can't. You know, it's faceless. Yeah, Totally faceless. And mm-hmm. I think that's such a huge element of a lot of these, especially in crypto, because you know he could be in his basement all day long committing fraud, doing this against millions of people's, and then he, or people, and then he comes upstairs and has dinner with his family. Like, there's no, like, it's it's not as as um you know hard quote unquote to do mm-hmm. it on an emotional level because it's just all numbers and spreadsheets and transferring money so i think that's the problem now with a lot of these frauds is that they're precipitated in in a virtual world where it's Mm -hmm. just not you know there's no current there's no current i don't take a dollar and give it to you and then then i take it out of your pocketbook it's It's nebulous kind of right it's
0: just it's just numbers well and and he he always said there was two things he said i'm not trying to hide anything well why are you in the bahamas (laughs)
3: Right, yep,
0: right. Qualifier, you gotta love the
3: qualifiers,
2: right? (laughs) But
0: then, here's what he did here's what he did is he because he had that other company, which was uh, what was the name of it? Um,
2: I forget, I I forget forget it too. The second, yes.
0: And so, he's he denied for three or four days when they had him when all this thing went down in in interviews, he denied commingling funds with his other company. But what he said was, and it's hard to do, he goes, I didn't commingle funds like he couldn't get didn't out of his mouth and i'm like yes he did he totally knew that and then a couple (laughs) days later he admitted it right right there so so that's what i got out of the bloomberg thing but i think um i think with him he was a gambler he thought he'd get it back um and and that's that's just what he thought so but yeah uh he he you know it's going to show somewhere you know the signs of of deception in there so so that's that's exactly what we got from Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, yep. So we'll see how long he goes to jail for. Um, yep. Elizabeth yep. Holmes got, what, almost 10 years? But that that guy, uh, her partner yep. there, he got like 13. So He got
2: 13, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see if they actually you know, uh, do the full time or, you know, uh, we'll see how that, that works out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was an interesting case to follow, but both. And, and, you know, the FTX case will be interesting too, to continue to follow. Yeah, I agree.
0: Well, I think so. Well, just one more note and then we'll wrap up. So that FTX, uh, cause I was reading in the wall street journal, they brought in the CEO that they brought in after Enron collapsed. Right. So so this guy right. is I guess this is what he does is he yeah. just goes yes. into bankruptcy. He said it was the most unsophisticated fraud he'd ever seen. All they did really? was transfer the money over to the other company. And right that was that <laughs> Like it, they didn't try yeah. to hide it they didn't yeah, have just, any yeah. nothing right. all they did was just hit a button and thought it was fine
2: <laughs> yeah right under the right under the nose you never look under the nose right you know what yeah. they say
0: <laughs> for Sure, for sure well I tell you what I tell you what um doc you are fantastic I'm so glad that you came on truth lies and cover-ups how can people get a hold of you
2: Yep. So uh pretty much, you know, if you just Google Dr. Fraud and Skiba, you can find me anywhere. But but doctorfraud.org as my main website. Um and you can, you know, have links to my consulting page, training, uh, book links, all that kind of stuff. I put all kinds of free content on there as well. So I'm um, heavy heavily on social media and, and I know you and I are connected there too. LinkedIn. Um I love my LinkedIn. Um so so reach cool. out to me there. Uh, if not. Um, and, and yeah, to you! Congratulations on the podcast. Really nice job. Uh, I, I always enjoy uh, when you have new releases and everything, and, and oh, really you. honored to uh, honored to uh, uh, you know to be to be a guest. So
0: oh wow. well, the honor is mine. The honor is mine. Thanks for coming on.
2: Of course, of course. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>
1: I don't know why I put up with you. I don't, I don't know, know why. why I put up with you. You're the one
0: that has. The <laughs> you problem. can't
1: turn that around. It doesn't <laughs> work that way. You got to come up with your own original insult.
0: My original insult is giving yours back to you. No, that's not original, original at all.
1: You just it's by just the very. I'm going to bonk you on the head.
0: I'm going to come over there. You're going to have a problem.
1: I'm going to hit you with a haricot.
0: <laughs> okay. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it.